Before we get going this week, I thought I'd just remind you that I'm a certified business strategist who's been in property for over 25 years. I know my clients shortcut their success by being laser focused through strategy and mentoring, as no one business model fits us all because funding, geography, skill set, it all plays a part in deciding what works for you. Getting it wrong can definitely damage your wealth. If you're serious about property, then your first step is a call with me. Nothing more difficult than following the link in the show notes to book it. This is the Property Solopreneur podcast and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Welcome to this week's edition. And today we're talking all about staying true to your values, being yourself, even in the property world space. Because this perception that in order to succeed at property, you've got to be the big jolly person in the middle of the room, surrounded by people, you know, very much the gregarious one. Well, not everyone's like that. Some people are noisy by nature. Other people aren't. And we both make money in the property space. The longer you stay in property, the more you realise that actually there's a wide variety of people doing things and not everyone is obviously visible because they're quiet and that doesn't matter to them. They've learned how to deal with it. So I think the most important thing that you've got to do is work out who you are, what you stand for and what you expect of other people that you're going to work with in this space, because it's a bit of an odd subject, but I think this will save much heartache later. Because believe it or not, we don't all hold the same values in life. We don't all treat people in the same way. And if you go out expecting everyone to treat you as you treat others, you could find yourself very badly burnt and feeling very vulnerable. So you've got to protect yourself against this. Well, one of the reasons why is that most of the stuff we do in property is unregulated and we can make a lot of money doing it. So where there's a lot of money made, there are lots of sharks. And not everybody, as I say, thinks the same way. So some of the sharks think they are very ethical and they're not, of course. And because it's so unregulated as an industry, it is why we are so different and why we can make so much money. But there are tiny bits of it that are regulated, like the JV work, and for very good reason. And no doubt, more bits will be following on through legislation as we continue the property journey for buy-to-let and all the other things that we do. Because, I mean, how many industries can you think of off the top of your head where it is completely the norm just to go and meet people and borrow money off them and pay them interest? Most people think you have to go for a bank for that or a credit card. No, most of us at some point, because we wanted to grow our property portfolios, have been somewhere and openly said, I'm looking for investment. I'm looking for people to invest in me and my properties. And so that is something slightly strange. So many of you listening may well have only found the property world whilst we were in lockdown and you stumbled across it 
online, where you could join in with meetings all over the country virtually. So you weren't able to have all those clues. It wasn't as easy, really, to do so much networking, but you got the gist and probably a really good understanding of the hows and the wherefores of all this property stuff. May well have come across to you that everyone's lovely, everyone's kind, everyone's out there to help everybody else, because actually on these big meetings, that is the impression you get. And actually, it is true, they are, until you spot somebody who isn't who doesn't do this right. And that really can come as quite a shock to a lot of people. It's not necessarily a one-off. They could be attracting a lot of attention. They could be borrowing lots of money, but still doesn't mean that they are the one that you will work best with you. And so networking meetings are really a great place to see a very diverse range of values. And remind yourself constantly that just because somebody's at the front of the room and is speaking, it doesn't mean to say they're 100% wonderful, that they are 100% in tune with your values. They probably aren't. They may have lots in common with you, but you've got to work out before you start working with anyone if you're aligned. Now, you know, there are some people who have been, I hate to say it, out and out crooks. In my time, I've seen several people go to jail, not once, but twice. And not only did they have their own meetings, and, and they were very popular meetings because they were very charismatic people, but they also bluffed their way onto other people's stages. And those of us who gave them room were somewhat embarrassed and nonplussed afterwards to think, how did I get taken in by that? It's very, very easy. It really is. Others who've come and spoken over the years have been very plausible as well. And they have romped through their property journey using other people's money. And when it's all gone wrong, they've exited. They've gone on to do something else. Another wonderful flavour of the months has appeared for them. But they've left lots of people penniless in their wake. And they may or may not feel repentant. It's really very interesting. So wrong'uns come in many different ways. And some of them are only just on the right side of legal. But where do you find the good guys? How can you sift through them? Well, it's down to you. It's down to you knowing what you feel is right and wrong and what you're expecting other people to do with you and what you find out about them in due diligence. I'm amazed sometimes when I'm sorting out something that has gone horribly wrong and one of my mentees has said, can we talk about this privately? I don't want it to be known. But this person has done X or Y. And I go, what did you find out about them before you lent them this money or did this with them? Well, it all seemed all right, that the deal was great. I asked around and, you know, nobody said anything nasty. And that's about it. Well, there's heaps and heaps of due diligence you can do on somebody. And we'll talk about that in another episode. But if you don't do your due diligence, how can you expect to know everything about the person you're getting into bed in property with? It's very odd. You wouldn't do this in another area of life, but somehow with property, it seems quite normal. So it's not all about Googling them because probably you can't find out much. And I know there is this myth that you Google someone's name and you'll find everything out about them. That is not so. There's a lot you can't find out about me. There's a lot you can't find out about two people I know who really were working on the wrong side. So don't just trust Mr. Google. Find out who's worked with them. Are they consistent, for instance, with the message on the front of the stage to the people who worked with them? You know, did they do what they said? Did they deliver? 
And are they the same off stage as on stage? You know, able to be found and talked to, visible, chatty, open, you know, happy to show you around what they've done, all the things that you want to know. And in fact, this also accounts for mentoring and doing those courses. Now, I love mentoring. I provide it and I also consume it. And I love a bit of accountability. And I always have a mentor if I'm doing something new, because as you know, I, I don't like reinventing the wheel. So if somebody is doing something that is what I want and they do it so much better than I could ever hope, I'm going to work with them. But I will find out about them beforehand. So this podcast is a very good example. It's Anna Parker Naples' production company. Now, I had watched Anna for a long time. I had followed her podcasts, her own podcasts, for some time. And I had watched and listened to many that she had produced. And I liked what I saw. I liked the way she did her webinars. I went on a day of hers. You know, lots of things you can do to find out about anyone. And I knew that although I wanted to do a podcast, be quite honest, the only bit I'm qualified to do is the talking. So her technical crew do everything else. That's fabulous. So don't think every single person who is producing mentoring or courses is wrong. No, they're not. Nine times out of 10, they're absolutely doing what it says on the tin. And you really do need to work with them so that you can boost what you're doing. Well, you've got to know what presses your buttons because there's a lot of talk about LMP and, you know, sort of sales techniques and all these kind of things. And so you need to know what phrases and techniques will make you do things that afterwards you think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. So I, for instance, know that I'm extremely ambitious, but I'm not competitive. So I don't respond well to competition. So I never join in any mentoring where they go, right, there are 20 of you in the room. At the end of next year, we're going to have an amazing jamboree and one of you will be crowned king. Well, I'm in this to make myself money. I'm going to sound terribly selfish now. Sorry, but uh, here goes. I'm in this to make money for myself. So my competition is with myself and I'm going out there to find the properties and the funding that I need. I really couldn't be bothered about competing with the man who's sitting on the table with me at this mentoring group. He can do his stuff. I'm not competing with him. And believe you me, in property, there really is enough to go round. So I don't need a competition. I'm not a teacher's pet, so you won't find me on anybody's wall of fame. So again, there are some mentoring groups out there that have walls of fame and you compete, get up on the wall and have your your face in a frame. No, you won't find me there. Again, do you know, I just can't be bothered. I'd much rather put all my energy into finding some more products that I can buy or do. Am I shallow? No, I don't think so. I just know that this is my way of doing business. And I do have a wall of fame, but it's mine. And it's got all the properties that I've ever been involved in so that I can look at it and physically go, yes, I'm doing this right. I don't, however, keep a picture of the properties that got away. That would just be too sad. So it all comes back to values, doesn't it? And I love that saying, it does what it says on the tin. And I'm in the course creation and mentoring space as well. And I'm definitely not one of the big guys. I have multiple streams of income and I do mentoring, accountability calls, strategy days, and I have my properties. And do you know, one of the greatest things I get out of this, other than the financial income, is joy because I like interacting with people in small groups and in one-to-ones. 
that's where I get my buzz from. And that's what keeps me going. Now, I parted company with a mentor who kept telling me off for this, who kept saying, no, 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 Rachel, you need to embrace everybody. And I just said, I don't feel comfortable that I don't like this. And if I'm not enjoying it, why am I doing it? Because I'm only on this earth once. And I have a list of people that I won't work with. So again, I'm, I'm always being told I leave money on the table, but you know, I'm happy. So does it matter? I won't work with those who are so obsessed with property that they forget everything around them. You know, they just are blinded to anything except that which will bring me riches. And they do things to get into huge debt to work with mentors who they feel can make money with them. They mortgage their family homes without the family knowing. Yes, I really did just say that. I couldn't believe it myself the first time I heard it. And I said, it was just at a conversation on the strategy day. And I said, oh, where, where's this sum of money coming from? And this gentleman said, oh, I've remortgaged the family house and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, what did your wife think of that? There was a slight pause. And he said, oh, she doesn't know. And I said, well, why doesn't she know? And he just looked at me completely blankly and just said, well, she just stays at home and brings up the family. She doesn't have any financial input into this. So why should she be informed? To me, I couldn't get out of that room quick enough, frankly, at the end of the day. And we didn't work with each other again. And that's happened several times. Because to me, that family was at risk of losing their home if that man did not get everything right. Now, he could have done. Fantastic. Not a problem. But I wasn't prepared to work with someone who would be happy to put their family's future at risk just to make money. It doesn't sit comfortably with me. And I also don't work with people who are just clearly never going to do anything. They're just going to sit in my room and then they'll go to somebody else's room and somebody else's room after that. They're just not going to do anything. Now, I know this is not because I'm a good person because I don't think I'm particularly good, but it's because they're no fun to work with. They haven't got the spark. They haven't got that sort of, thank you for that point. I'm now going to put it into action, which is what I like working with. So is everyone who gets it wrong bad? No, I think there's a very clear distinction between a one-off stupidity that blows up all over social media and the systemized method of working that will always put everybody else at a disadvantage. And you soon get to see that because there's always idiots out there who do something stupid. Well, give them a second chance because they may have learned from it. If you don't want to work with them, that's fine. But you shouldn't try and, and blacken their names regardless. And if you've heard whispers, don't work with them. And ask other people if they've heard the whispers and see what comes back. And then you've got to make up your own idea. If they don't share your values, don't work with them because it will just bring you stress, shame and probably a bit of financial difficulty. Because don't forget, property values go down as well as up. And investment, well, that's the whole point of the word investment, isn't it? It's not a sure-fired bet. There could be problems. And so since this is property, let's just quickly talk about working with people who don't share your values financially. The JV investor who signs the paperwork and then doesn't come up with the money. The person you've lent money to, but somehow has stopped answering your calls. The worst to me, because I was a saucer, was the deal buyer who just messes you around generally. They never quite say no, but they never quite say yes either. And because you're polite and, and you want to help people, you go along with it far too long. Whereas you get to know the danger signs and as soon as it happens, you cut them off and go, thank you, you're not adhering to my T's and C's. And that is the clue. When you are setting out, 
in property, you need to know what you want out of somebody and what they need to know from you. So write a good set of terms and conditions stating what you are. Because of course, some of you may have religious reasons why you don't charge interest or something like that. Put it in your T's and C's. You can fall back on them. You can take legal action if required. Now, if you've lent somebody some money, spoiler alert here, nothing will guarantee that you get it all back. So you've got to make sure you know who you're dealing with. Now, some of you are now beginning to think, well, how do I ever find anyone to work with? Trust me, so many people out there, lots and lots. So you can put on the naughty step or whatever it is that you call it, all the people you don't want to work with. It's not your problem if they can't abide by your values. There are lots out there that can. And I don't touch, for instance, the newly bereaved or the very vulnerable, not because I don't believe that they want to make money, but I think they're not in the right headspace. And so I've drawn up a list of these just to remind me, because sometimes these groups can be really, really persuasive and they can be really, really insistent that you really do want to work with them and and sort of turn on the emotional blackmail. And I have to be very, very firm about what I will and won't do with it. So if you've got people working for you on the outside, you know, contractors, they need to know your values too, because they are a reflection of your values and your branding. So make sure you've given all your T's and C's and a good brief to those who are working with you. And don't forget, actually, what it means is at the end of the day, you're both going to be in a win-win situation. Whoever you work with will like it and you'll like it. And that creates repeat customers, which is fantastic. Now, here I speak from the heart because I know there are snakes and sharks out there. I've met them and I've worked with them and they can sink your business. But usually I've worked with them because I've just found myself floating along with it really rather than thinking too deeply. And I think we should all rely on Mr. Gut feeling really sometimes. You can't put your finger on it, but you know there's something not quite right. You've got those vibes something seems too good to be true. And property is a business where you can get it very wrong. So make sure that when you start all this, you're new, or even if you're coming back into it, having had a period of time off, stop concentrating on how it's going to change your life and how much money you're going to make. And think about who you are and how you want to be perceived by others and how you want to deal with all of this. So you've got to write in a wrong sheet. And that's for you and for others. Now, you may miss opportunities, but do you want to find a happy flow of customers coming your way? Well, you will. Honestly, you will. If you are known to be decent, hardworking, honest and easy to work with, that doesn't mean that you're a pushover. No, it means you've got values and standards. And with those, you can be a wildly successful property solopreneur. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist. If you found my stories inspiring and my content useful, then come find out more about my mentoring and strategy sessions by going to www.racheltroughton.com and book a discovery call with me. The banner link is on every page. Come and create and grow your own property business. That's the shortcut to success.